0: Okay, uh, turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1, and our focus this morning is going to be verses 4 through 8, as we're starting the book of Revelation. Um, have you ever seen those books that, they're, they're actually printed to kind of help you understand difficult things? Um for example, you can buy uh, An Idiot's Guide to Microsoft Office. So, <laughs> you know, uh, An Idiot's Guide to Garden. You know, you, you could buy a whole series of these. I've often thought, and I was looking, and there actually is. Somebody published An Idiot's Guide to Revelation. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we, don't, we don't want to think that we're idiots, you know, as we're approaching the book of Revelation. Uh, in fact, one of the things about the Book of Revelation is that there's a certain aspect of revelation and understanding that occurs as you're also embracing the mystery that we don't know about. So it's it's kind of interesting tension. Uh, here's what we'll come away with, and I promise you, if you're reading now the Book of Revelation uh, weekly and getting ready for each lesson as we go through the chapters, uh, a couple things are going to happen for you. Number one, you're gonna be surprised, probably at stuff you haven't read in a while. Because if you're like me, it's been a while you've been into Revelation. Okay. The other part is uh, you're gonna come away with more questions than you had even when you started. Some of them we don't know really the answer to. And and I've discovered in my own Christian life, and, and I think this is an important thing to affirm as we get started. Part of the life of faith. Is embracing the mystery of things we don't know, and that's okay. But we we need to hear that because I think growing up, I sort of embraced the idea. Well, if, if you're going to be a person of faith, you got to know it all, and 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 that just kind of drove me. Well, there are large portions of the Bible I memorized, right? I got to know it. Uh, other things that it sort of drove me, and after a while, the Lord sort of helped me see how. Uh, What a wrong approach that was. You don't have to know everything. In fact, nobody will, no matter how much you try. So let's start off. If you have your Bibles, whether you're reading it on your iPhone or or actually an open Bible, uh, I love to read from the open Bible. Okay, Um, There's something about, as God's gathered people, seeing the Bible open and recognizing that the teaching and preaching comes from the open Bible. Um, I told Nancy I'm reading an old book published in 1912 about the life of the minister. And most of it's really good. We got to the preaching section. And I don't know, I don't know if this is where it got started in the United States, but in 1912, this guy said, Well, there's a lot of sermons that you can preach, you don't have to even refer to the Bible. I was like, What? So I'm reading through this. I wasn't convinced at all. Uh, and I think that thinking got started 100 years ago, and it went in certain circles, and that's why one person printed a book that was dear to me, and I got to find it. It was called "The Bible in the Church," and it was a wonderful exposition of the role of the Bible in the life of the church. So I don't make any apology for opening my Bible and reading from it when we start the sermon up. Okay. So uh, this morning, we're going to focus on John, or Revelation 1, uh, verses 4 through eight. John to the seven churches in the provinces of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom, and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory, power, forever and ever. Amen. Look, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him. And all nations on earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, Jesus, the Almighty. I want to talk about that a little bit because this is going to set the stage really for the rest of the book of Revelation. So it starts off, I, John, to the seven churches. Both the historical and textual preponderance of evidence throughout the centuries has said that John the Apostle is the author. The same one that wrote the Gospel of John. The same one that wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. It's the same John. And if that's true, I can envision John, and think about this, he's probably elderly, even called himself elderly. John is in his upper years. Uh, We're going to find here in a moment, he's situated in this island called Patmos. But he may have white hair, white beard at this point, and he has seen, and he's heard a lot about the church. Been through a lot. And in this particular book called Revelation, we're going to find three things come together. And Bible scholars don't know what to call it. Because when you teach children the books of the Bible and come to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John or what? The Gospels. What is Acts? Acts is history. What's the rest of the New Testament? Letters. Okay, when you come to Revelation, what is it? Revelation tells us it's a book of Revelation, it's a book of prophecy, and it's a book of vision. So which one is it? It's all three. We don't know what to call it. <laughs> Except the book of Revelation. It includes all of that. And so I, John, the John, his name appears, chapter 1, verse 1, in verse 9, and also chapter 22, verse 8. So, the whole experience recorded to us in the book of Revelation is John's experiences. Here's what's really interesting. When we read through the book, we're going to see the medium in which the message is presented, but also the purpose the medium, are visions. But it's not just John telling the visions verbally. I've often wondered if he told somebody this before he wrote it down. But he has the visions and then he writes them down. Okay? Not only that, within the vision apparently, the whole experience is vision. And and the one question I've always had is I wonder how long it took John to have these visions. What we don't know, and I know you've had this experience, you go to sleep, you have a dream, and it's pretty uh, vivid, and it's pretty dramatic, and you wake up, you look at the clock, I've only been asleep for about 10 minutes, but it seemed like in reality, you had a dream that was a lifetime. So the visions and Revelation, we don't know how long they took for John to experience. have no clue. We do know that there's movement in these visions. There's a sequential idea, things he's going through, he's going to share that. But at the same time, he's supposed to write this down. Okay, so we're assuming he wrote it down after the after the visions were over. John tells us that he is a brother and a partner in their tribulation. And the word tribulation, there's a couple of words that will be used. Uh, in the ancient world, but the word one word for tribulation, I think, is the one John uses here, uh, has to do with pressure. And usually, the word was used to describe. And, then, and when when I describe this for you, uh, I always think of an episode, and I love Lucy that I watch, but it's stamping out grapes in a bath Okay. So that you're in the back of grapes and you're stepping on it, your your body's pressure is squeezing the juice out of those grapes, and that action of pressure, squeezing out, is this word tribulation. So, what we're going to find in the seven churches of Asia are experiences where false teachers, Satan, uh, other temptations are squeezing the very life out of these churches, and things are happening, and John has said, I've experienced that, so that I understand the tribulation of life, and I am a companion, and I'm a partner in this process, so his identification of himself in chapter one, verse nine, is really crucial to his readers, because what he's trying to say is, look, I've been there before, I know what it's about. Now, the interesting thing is that we find about John, the whole book of Revelation is first-person experience. So this is why it's so powerful. It's not like John saying, well, uh, James told me about his dream, so let me tell you about it. No, this was his experience, first-person. Now, we also find not only is it John the Apostle, but he's on the island of Patmos. And if you look on a map, this little island is only about 25 miles in circumference. It's not very large, but it's a mountainous little island. And there's Mount Elias, I believe. that's right in the middle of it, and it goes up about 800 feet above sea level. So that's the high point on, on Mount Patmos. Normally, in Roman times, if you ended up on Patmos, it was because you were viewed as a person who would threaten what's called the Tox Romana. Uh, That famous word for the peace of Rome, Uh, the Roman emperors, the Roman Empire saw itself as not only conquering all the nations around it, but once they got through conquering everybody, it's like, okay, everybody settle down, let's live peacefully. No problems. And what's fascinating when you look at history, look at the world map. What little nation gave Rome fits during that time? a little kiddie piece on the map called Palestine. <laughs> and if you look at all of the world that they controlled at that time, so much of their energy was on this little place called Palestine where the Jews were, gave the Roman's fists. They couldn't stand it. Well, if you were a threat to the government, whether political, see, Christians in the first century were viewed as a threat to Roman imperial realm because, and, and I, I think I shared this one other time, this was fascinating to me. Here's the because. Uh, I was reading a book published by a gentleman named Wood in 1888. And in the back of that book were old photographs from 1888. And if you've ever opened up an old book, and you look at old uh, photographs in a book, they, they'd all turn yellow. You ever seen that? Old yellow photographs? Well, this archaeologist named Wood had taken pictures of some of the ancient ruins uh, over there during his day and time. And just as clear as it could be, on one of the columns was the phrase, Caesar uh, Curios, Caesar is Lord. In John's time, you had a choice Was Caesar Lord or was Yesu Curios? Was Jesus Lord? One or the other. You couldn't have both, and whenever you were caught being a Christian, they would do two things. In order for you to escape persecution, and I think in the near future I'll read for you a little letter that came from uh, Pliny the governor in this area. He wrote to the Roman Emperor Trajan about it. What do I do with these Christians? Well, if they're caught, you come up before the Roman government if you would curse the name Jesus, you would bow down and worship Caesar as Lord, and offer incense, well then, you'd be okay. Well, guess what? John, among many other Christians, said, no, that's not happening. And because the Roman government viewed Christians as a huge threat to the peace of Rome, John, probably being viewed, because he was older, a leader of the Christian group, he, that's why he got banished. And we're going to talk in a moment the very reason that John gives for being banished uh, there. But Patmos served as this far out of the way place that we don't want you to give us any trouble anymore. So we're getting, we're, we're banishing to the Isle of Patmos. The reason given for his being banished is this expression, actually two expressions: on account of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On account of the word of God probably means his teaching and his preaching. That he was so invested in making sure people knew about Jesus. And every opportunity he had, he would teach about Jesus. The, The word of God, it was important to John. That was what his whole life was wrapped up. Well, because of that commitment, that's one of the reasons he was banished. Here's the other reason. It says, the testimony of Jesus. And this probably conveys one or both of these ideas. That the actual testimony of the teachings of Jesus, found in the gospel, that because John was one who told many of the stories of Jesus' ministry. Because remember, he was an eyewitness in Jesus' ministry. So he knew firsthand a lot of these wonderful stories. It also can mean... John's actual testimony as a night witness to the ministry, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus.